sat these little kids down and said, we're going to play a game and I'm going to put all of your toys and coloring books and puzzles and games and stuffed animals in the office. And I'm going to lock the door. And if you want to play with anything, you tell me what it is and I'll go get it out and then it'll stay out here in the playroom. Hey mama, what do you think of when you hear the word success? Fame, status, and fortune? What about rocking your baby to sleep or coaching Little League? Advocating for your special needs child or mastering meal planning? Maybe going back to school or starting your own business? The truth is success looks different for us all and it may change depending on the season of life you're in. After finding myself in a dark place, I decided to set an example for my two boys by intentionally choosing what I wanted for my life and seeking it, even if it was scary. And now I'm so excited to bring you stories of other moms who are living out their version of success. I plan to ask these incredible women not only about their journeys, but how they are making it through the madness and the magic that we all know as motherhood. So, whether your assistant just brought you a hot espresso or you're rocking your baby on a third cup of reheated coffee, settle in and get ready for some goodness. I'm Shannon Carruthers, and this is the Successful Mama Podcast. Hey, Mama. Welcome back to this episode of the Successful Mama Podcast. I am your host, Shannon Carruthers, and I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. I don't care who you are or what your story is this episode is relevant for you because we're going to talk about things like budgeting. We're going to talk about getting rid of some of our stuff and clutter and how that affects us. We're going to talk about mindset. Um, I mean, you are just going to love our guest today. Her name is Lauren Hooper. She's a mom of two, and she's going to tell that that side of the story as well about her kiddos and becoming a mom. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So grab your coffee whether it's hot or, like I said in the intro, if you've had it reheated several times, I totally understand. I remember those days. You can just throw some ice in it and call it an iced coffee and you're good to go. Anyway, enjoy this episode. Well, hi, Lauren. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me, Shannon. I'm so happy to be here. I'm excited to have you. I can't wait for everybody to hear your story and tell all these good things that I'm like, as I've been researching, I've been like, I need all of this in my life. Like I need to budget more and I need to do like minimalist. I'm going to get rid of all my stuff at home. So you guys, if you're listening, I can't wait for you to hear all of this. It's going to be so good. So Miss Lauren, if you will start and just tell us your story, a little about you. So I am from Florida. I grew up in the central Florida area. Um, I moved up here in 2015 with my husband and my two kids. We have loved living in Madison. This is where we call home. I own a business called The Minimalist Wallet, where I do ethical finance and lifestyle coaching. Love that. So cool. So what what led you from Florida? Like, did you guys, was it a job? Was it, how'd you end up here in Madison? So it was a job. Um, my husband and I met when we were in undergrad at the University of Florida, which is in Gainesville. And we got married in Gainesville and he was in school there. And right after he graduated, um, right after we had two new babies, I never imagined in a million years that I would be 
a mom with twins. It never crossed my mind that it was a possibility. Um, so when my husband was in grad school, we had been married for about a year and a half. Um, I started having like skipped periods and I was really nervous. I was really worried. I was not super excited about having kids yet. So I was really worried to like find out what was going on. And then finally I worked up the courage to take a pregnancy test and it was negative and I was disappointed, which was a huge shock to me because I didn't think that I was ready to be a mom, but then I was kind of sad that I wasn't pregnant and it was an interesting new feeling. And I went to my doctor anyways afterwards to find out what's going on. I'm not, I'm not having these periods and they're like, well, stress, it's normal sometimes. It's just something, you know, that's going on. And I was like, okay. And just like went on with my life. And a few months later, my period was late again. And I was like, well, this is just par for the course, something I have to deal with. I'm just, that's fine. But then I started to feel sick. And I was like, well, I had that two-pack pregnancy test. I got another one hanging around. I might as well take it. And it was positive this time (laughs) and I got to be actually excited and just started immediately like planning and putting together like a spreadsheet of like, oh my gosh, we're going to have a baby. I told my husband immediately, even though I had planned out this like elaborate letter that I was going to send to him from his newborn child and have it like arrive in the mail, I had it all planned out. And then he came home from work and I immediately told him. You couldn't I was so excited. He is the same type of person. Like he had an elaborate sunset cruise proposal planned for me. But instead, the day that he picked up the ring, like within a few hours of seeing me, he proposed. So we just... I love that. We're just those people. We can't wait. That's awesome. You just have to share the good news. Yes, yes. So we were really excited and we booked to go find an obstetrician and we had our first appointment and that's where we found out that we were having twins and it had never crossed either of our minds. It does not run in either of our families. Wow. Also, I was on birth control when I got pregnant. (laughs) We laughed and I just laughed. I just laughed when I found out it was twins. Laughed like, okay, okay. Here we go. We, we can do this. Went home, hold open my spreadsheet of baby costs and just added an extra column of multiplying everything by two, put in my little sum of sentence and was like, okay. Okay. I have to stop you right there happen. and say your little spreadsheet that you had <laughs> with all your baby expenses. Um, so I, I believe there are two types of people. There are people who love spreadsheets and there are people who don't. You fall into that first category. You're a spreadsheet girl. I love spreadsheets. I love organization. I love systems. Yes. I think I am my absolute happiest if you put me into a chaotic, disorganized situation and give me free reign to create my own system and tell everyone what to do and how to run things. And then I just leave them to it. So good. Oh, my goodness. That fits perfectly, obviously, with what you're doing. Um, So let's keep moving a little bit. So no, wait a minute. How did you end up in Huntsville? Did you tell us that? So after my my husband was in grad school when we got pregnant with the kids, 
and I was working full time. And it basically, as soon as he, you know, found out that we were having these babies, he was like, let's get to it. I need a deadline for graduation um, because it was kind of out in the open. If anyone has ever been in academia, like graduate school, PhD programs, then you know sometimes the graduation date gets drawn out depending on research and what your advisor wants to do. Right. But he went to his advisor and was like, listen, I have kids coming. I have to graduate. I'm going to need time off when they're born because he stayed home with them for the first eight months of their life while I worked. And then he graduated. And 10 days later, we had our moving truck packed up to leave our little two-bedroom apartment in Gainesville to move to Madison. He had been here once for a job interview. We did not know anybody here. And we just took off and settled in and immediately fell in love with the area and this is this is home it is such a good area and I feel like I've had the same conversation with so many people like so I grew up in this area um and for those of you that are listening that are not from here we're talking about the Huntsville area of Alabama Huntsville Alabama Madison Alabama Athens all of the surrounding areas like I grew up in this area and have been here my whole life and so I've seen it transform and grow and it's so very different from when I was a kid And it's funny because I said I would never be here. I would never, ever, ever stay here. And I was the first thing when I graduated, I was planning to leave. In fact, I applied to the University of Florida. I applied to schools all over the U.S. because I wasn't going to be here. I was going to a big city. And then I met this boy and my plans changed just a little bit. And lo and behold... Now I wouldn't be anywhere else. Like we ended up, I did move away for a year. We got engaged after that year. I moved back and then we got married and then we ended up staying here. But, and we've talked about moving elsewhere, but like, it's such a great area, isn't it? It really is. So you guys moved here. You bought a house. Tell me about your house that you bought. Did you buy a big extravagant, um, you know, brand new home? We bought the house that we could afford, and we wanted to stay in Madison City because I knew that the schools were good, and so we bought what was kind of in the middle of our budget. It was a 1970s ranch-style house, one story. It had been renovated maybe 15 years before we'd purchased it, so it wasn't all 50-year-old things, but a lot of things were 50 years old in the house. And so it was a little bit of a fixer upper, but it was very budget friendly. We had been in debt before. I had been in lots of debt before. So it was important to us to not take on too much and not have to put a big chunk of our income towards the house because I was not working at all. Um, And it was just my husband's income. So we wanted to keep it affordable. And we wanted to pay off our house quicker than 30 years. We just didn't know that if we put our minds to it, we could pay off our house in way less than 30 years. Yeah. So let's just go ahead. And the whole reason, by the way, that I gave that little intro is not that there's anything wrong with buying a big extravagant house. They're so beautiful. Uh, They're so beautiful. And I love seeing all the, the 
gorgeous like curated photos and like all the things and it's inspirational because I want my house to look like that too absolutely um but I love that you and your husband you know you chose something within your budget but also like that you were going to make your own and that you planned to pay off so what happened there so we wanted to do renovations that was a important part of when we purchased the house it was the right location it was the right size we liked the neighborhood, but the layout of the house just was not ideal. And we wanted to do those renovations, but we didn't want to add in more debt. So we decided when we pay off the house, we will save up and pay cash for the renovations. And that just became our focus of where additional money was going to go towards. So we purchased the house in May of 2016. And we paid off the house in March of 2020, one week before the whole world shut down. We had no idea the financial peace we would feel going into that situation of uncertainty, knowing that we had this place to live no matter what. So that was really amazing to be able to do that absolutely with that timing and also to have that extra you know income that you're not spending on the mortgage every month to know that that's available if you need it because at that point I mean the chaos ensued and prices of some things went up and through the roof and I mean there's just uncertainty like you said so yes and knowing not knowing whose job is going to stick around How long will people not be going into work? I am so grateful to this day that it did not affect my husband's job at all. I was working part-time and I still was able to do my job. And I'm so grateful that our financial situation stayed calm and that that was not a concern. But we also leading up to it were people who were concerned about We need an emergency fund. We need buffers. We need to know how to live within our means, even if we treat ourselves for it to be something that we have that point that we can go back to. That's easy to say. We can live in a way that's well below, you know, what's coming in and what we have saved. Yeah. So, so what's the best way do you think to do that? Like what would, if you have a mom who's coming to you saying, you know, we've, we've got all these expenses. This is our budget. We're trying and we want to pay off our house early. What advice would you give to them? Where would they start? I would suggest starting with really narrowing down your core, core values for you, for your family. So it's a discussion that you're going to have with your partner of what do we value the most? And when you know beyond a doubt what those things are, it becomes very easy to decide where your money should go and where it shouldn't go. So whether the goal is to like pay off house debt or to save for something or any time that we need to have a lot of money available, once you know what really is important to do with your money, you know what isn't and it can become much easier to decide I'm not going to spend money on this anymore, or I'm not going to have this job that is draining everything from me. Um, And then you can decide what you want to do with it, which could be in our situation, we wanted to pay off our house, 
but I don't always say that that's, you know, everyone's goal. It doesn't have to be. It was what felt good and right for us. But if it doesn't feel like a necessity or important to somebody else, I wouldn't tell them, well, you have to to have financial security because that's going to look different for everyone. But we all have financial goals and we all have the capability to do amazing things with our money so that we can live a life that's meaningful and that feels good. And once we can clear away the distractions that are internal and external, it becomes much easier to decide how you can use that money to better your life and your family's life and the world around you. Absolutely. And I love I loved you saying, like, once you know what is important, it's easy to tell what's not important. Because I think that as, you know, as people, we often just tend to live our lives in a way of whatever comes our way. We just take whatever comes and, you know, we deal with it as it comes along rather than being very intentional about it. And if you don't know what matters to you, you don't know what things to let go of, what things to say no to if you're not very focused on being intentional, on being um, just honest with yourself of what really matters to you. So I love that you you highlighted on that, that it's going to be different for everybody and that you have to decide what what you value most in your financial goals and and as a family, not just you. I think that's a key too, because in a partnership, you tend to have two different kinds of people. Yes. You're spender, you're saver, right? Is that pretty? But you're a team. So you team. figure out what are the team goals? Yes. And how do we support each other's individual goals? Mm-hmm. And how do we really understand those goals so that it isn't this well, I have to give up what I want for them, but then it's my turn. Because as someone who's been married for over a decade, and I put a lot of work into my marriage, and my husband does the same, we both recognize that when that other person is getting their needs met, it is good for all of us in the household. And so it isn't a what he wants or what I want. It's what's going to be good for everybody. And that can make it a lot easier to make those financial decisions together and be okay with saying no to some things and yes to other things and not necessarily keeping score about who gets to spend money on one thing or another. I know money is one of the biggest issues that people have in marriages and relationships and so getting on the same page and having that open conversation is so important about figuring out your values together yes yes okay so as you're working through this with your husband what did you what did it take for you to figure out like your own values what was that process for you it was a long process that started individually and it was something that i had to figure out on my own a little bit before I brought to my husband, you know, what I had in mind, then asking him what his, what he valued and what he thought we valued together. Um, But it really started with me kind of taking a step back to realize that I had been putting myself in precarious financial situations over and over again, because I was trying to live up to someone else's standards. I was trying to impress other people. I wanted to be seen as a certain type of person. And so I would make decisions that were not the smartest 
um, getting into a ton of student loan debt and consumer debt when I was in school, um, some of which was avoidable, some of which was a personal decision, um, some of which is just the nature of being a student and not knowing what your options are if you don't have financial support, you know, from family or, or other arenas. But then it was it was still my choice to take on debt. And then when I paid it off, I still went back into more debt for other things. And then even when we were out of debt again, because that was a focus and became something that was easier to accomplish, while we were still living within our means, I was still constantly thinking about what I could acquire, what was going to make me feel better, what was going to make me someone that people aspired to be, someone that, you know, looked like who we might see on social media and be like, wow, I want to be like her. And that was still in my thoughts, even when I was being quote unquote responsible and it looked like I was within my means, the way I was thinking about money and the way that I was thinking about uh, consumer goods and physical things wasn't healthy. And so I had to really take a step back to think about what do I actually value? What are the things that I have cared about for a long time, even my entire life? How can my everyday choices, how can my money kind of influence those things and how can I bring that together and in doing that I started thinking a little bit more about my external environment and how it was making me uncomfortable and there was too much stuff and I was thinking about buying things yet I had all of these things that I wasn't using and that helped me to learn a little bit more about the concepts of minimalism and slow living and intentional living or however you want to phrase it. Um, And it guided me to make choices that were more aligned with my values, um, like deciding to go back to school and finish my education. Um, Because when I got all of those student loans many, many years ago, I did not graduate. So I was kicked out of my university for having a super low GPA, but I had $26,000 in student loans and then an additional $6,000 in consumer debt, credit cards, and back owed tuition. Wow, that's heavy. It was a learning experience. Yeah. It was tough. And so then at this point in your life, okay, you're you're walking through this season And you still are carrying that $26,000 of debt, correct? So I, the first six months of having that debt, I was still working part-time. So I was just living, continuing to live off of credit cards to make ends meet because I was 22, um, 22. And I got a full-time job, which I was so grateful for. Um, It was the same company that I was working for when my kids were born. They were amazing to work for. If they had had a location here, it was um, off-campus student housing. Mm-hmm. If they'd had a location here in town, I would have, I would still be working for them. Um, but I paid off all of my student loans and all my other debt in about three years. Okay. Gotcha. So did some of it 
by myself. My husband and I got married during that time. So the end of it, we were, you know, getting out the debt together, which was another funny situation because he was like, well, we will, we'll wait till you pay off the debt and then we'll get married. And I was like, I totally agree. I want to go into it with a clean slate. And then he's like, never mind. Let's get married. Okay. <laughs> Fine's change. Um, but we paid off, I paid off that debt in about three years, but then we took on a big car loan, which wasn't necessarily something that we valued and was more debt than the student loan debt was, but we viewed that as like acceptable debt right? when it still was based on us wanting to have nice things and portray a certain type of image. Um, So you think there was more of, because I'm hearing you say, well, I did acquire that debt, but then I was responsible and paid it off. Like you're doing the things that you should do respectably, but the shift there was in your mindset, in what you value and getting to know those things and having different expectations for yourself. Is that? Yes. So I realized that it wasn't really the debt that was bad. I wouldn't assign a good or a bad to debt. Debt is neutral. It can be used for good. It can be used for bad. It's about the intention behind it. And I did not have the best intentions my intentions were not healthy for me and for my mindset in terms of how I was using my money when I was choosing to get into debt, when I was not choosing to get into debt. Um, It was just in general, the way that I was making decisions was not in line with the values that I had. Right. And the person that I wanted to be that felt good, truly deeply inside, outside of external expectations outside of how I wanted people to view me. And so getting to that point where I was going to live for myself, for what I felt was right and good, made it much easier for me to make better choices with how I was going to spend my money. Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, I think a lot of that comes with getting older, you know, and, and just coming to your own in your own, like, who you are and what you want for your life and just learning more about you. Um, Do you think that that's... I absolutely agree. And then I also do still continue to see people as they get older who will continue down that path. And it's not always necessarily a generational thing. It's our mindsets can change a little bit of what we value But then if we're still surrounded by people who are living a certain way, it can be incredibly hard to do things differently because we want to feel included. We want to feel accepted. And we, I, especially personally, I don't want people to feel like my life is a judgment of their life. And so I want to live this way for me and I want to help others if I can, to live in a way that supports what they want, but that is completely separate from what other people are doing. Right, right. About No, them. absolutely. Because while decluttering can look really fun and budgeting, there's aspects of it that can look okay, hold on, hold more on. aesthetic. <laughs> look really fun. I'm over here going, 
I don't think that's fun. okay. Fun for well, think for of se- like clean talk. Like we watch people restock their refrigerators or set up snack drawers or put everything in rainbow order or you have within like the finance community um the envelope system and people are stuffing envelopes and it's all really pretty and there's that side of it that we see and that's represented online and then there is the whole other side that feels almost impossible to represent correctly of what is going on in people's heads what they're dealing with what they have to kind of it's internal decluttering is very much how i have thought about it if i had my years of the external and then there became then came the internal and that in itself is a challenge and a job and can take away from other responsibilities because you are working on yourself and wading through all the decades of mindsets, experiences, traumas that people have experienced. And so knowing that, and especially having my own experience with it and currently being that person who's trying to be better and working through those things, I do not judge anyone for deciding that they might not be ready to do that because that's what it is when you are making those lifestyle choices. You're having to confront things that you might not want to. And that to me is one of the hardest things that we can do as people is look at ourselves and see ourselves for who we are truly and work through that. Oh yeah. It's scary. It's hard work. It is. It's challenging. And our our society in general tends to to lean into the comfort areas rather than the uncomfortable areas. And because that has become our normal, you know, I mean we can we can get whatever we want ordered on Amazon in in a day oftentimes. It'll show up on our doorstep. Like we we get what we want and we get it now. We don't want to cook dinner, we go grab food. Like that comfort runs deep in our society and in our everyday lives. And so to then have to embrace this discomfort of, okay, I need to unlearn some things. I need to question and get curious about why do I have these thoughts? Why do I have these challenges that I need to overcome? Like, why am I struggling with this, you know, this thing? And and oftentimes, like you said, it's rooted in the way we grew up, it's rooted in our trauma. It's rooted in um, just the people that surround us and all of our external influences. But also, it's an internal thing of I want to be appealing to others. I want to please others. You know, I want to have this certain external look, and we have to go th- and deal with those. And those are hard to deal with. So we don't. You know, it, it's it's such a a difficult thing to to confront. And so I, like you said, I mean, I think we all kind of have to go with that at our own pace and encourage each other along the way. Like you're not alone. You're not doing this by yourself. Like we're all when you're ready. I'm there. Yeah. That's how I think about it. Yeah, for sure. So, and I mean, it's the same thing in the habit world of what I teach and working through, you know, you have to decide you're ready yourself. I'm not going to come to you. Number one, I'm not going to judge you and say, oh, you have such bad habits. You need to fix all of those right now. Because like 
All of those things have taken years and, and you've got to decide if there's something you want to change in your life, you have to decide for yourself. Because if you don't make that decision to confront those challenging things, you're not actually going to change. You might do it on paper for you know, a month and then you'll go right back to the way you were before because change is hard, right? And, and you have to want it in order to be able to do it. And so I think that you see that in your line of work in working with people financially and, and decluttering just in general. So I want to move into that and talk a little more on minimalism because that is a subject that is really hard for me as much as I, I love the idea. I love seeing like these beautiful houses with just, just one little thing here and one little thing there. And I really have, I feel like this is going to be like a coaching session for me. I feel like over the last few years, especially I've gotten really good about saying we don't need that. Mm, Not really good. I've gotten better. There you go. There's words matter. I've gotten a lot better about saying, okay, we really don't need that thing. Like, let's just get rid of it. Because I, I mean, my whole life has always been one of, we might need that later. Like we'll set it aside. And oftentimes we do go back and reuse it. So then that reinforces that idea that we need to have those things available. And so one of the things for me was like reminding myself that if I need it again, I can just go get another one or I can borrow something from someone. That's a big one. I can, you know, I can call my mom. I Here's, I'm getting off on this whole side topic, but it's all relevant. So I had a bunt pan. I don't bake, but it was like a pampered chef. Nice. It, it stayed in my drawer. And then when we renovated our kitchen, I didn't have anywhere to put it. And I was like, okay, when is the last time I have even thought about this bunt pan? But I didn't want to get rid of it because it was like a thing that it was nice. It was still in great shape and I might want to use it. And I would see these recipes online and be like, oh, I've got that pan for that. And now how many times have I needed that pan? Absolutely none. But allowing myself to let go of it was the reminder that I can just borrow one from somebody if I really need one. I think that's perfect. And I, especially touching on that we can borrow things from people. I think we forget about that. And I think it is a good reminder to us and the people who are within our communities that we can depend on each other. So something even as little as just going to your neighbor and asking, do y'all have any plastic bags? I need them for a kid's field trip and I don't normally keep them in the house. And they're, oh, sure, sure, sure. You have added to that relationship. You have let them know that they can ask you for things. And it helps to build that community that we all need that lets us feel safe and secure and you know we can be ourselves but somebody's going to be there to catch us if we need something and i think especially when it comes to stuff we forget that we can just ask people for things and aren't they grateful and so excited to let you borrow something if you ask a friend for something I'll bring it right over. Keep it as long as you need it. What else do you need? Oh, it's it gets people happy to know that they can support others. And then you don't have to purchase that thing. It gets more use per the cost. Yeah. And it means we're purchasing less. We're creating less waste by just knowing we can ask people if they have things. Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head too in saying that now they know they can come ask you for something. Because 
I think that that is, um, you know, I've got a neighbor who has, has asked me for something before. And now I'm like, well, if I ever need anything, it's not an issue. Like we have that relationship now where we'll just text each other and say, Hey, do you have this? Or do you have that? Um, but I think being like opening up that line of communication to say, Hey, can I borrow this? I know it's really random, but I don't have one. It just allows for like a lighthearted friendship to open up, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and I think too, that reminding ourselves that it's okay, that it's not going to be a linear journey. Like it's it's not not a one, a one way street. Like you're going to go forward and back and side to side, and you're going to have to figure out what works for you. And you know, what you're okay with. And some of that is just through doing, um, but reminding yourself that that's not going to be just linear and it's okay. You know, Absolutely. having that expectation up front, I think can be really helpful. Yes. And rec- recognizing that it's going to take time, that you're going to have seasons of life where it's not as easy to keep up those habits. It, it's a reminder that you can go through that and then come back to it and that's okay. And you haven't failed. You are just moving through life in the best way that you can. And you'll go back to whatever your North star of minimalism is, (laughs) which looks different for everyone and isn't minimalism for some people and is intentional living, conscious living, slow living, whatever name. On the topic of minimalism, I want to talk about clothes. Um, I have a closet full of clothes, full, stuffed, packed. In fact, it's it's so frustrating when I do laundry to go and put clothes away because there's so you many have to it, shove it, yes. items out of the way yes. to fit the new clothing in. And so that's on my agenda. And I constantly, like I, again, I'm doing much better. So if I pull something out, I go, oh, I don't wear this. Like I will actually go ahead and get rid of it at the time. Like I have a box that is set up for donations. Um, it's full of stuff and needs to be donated, but that's another topic. (laughs) But, um, yeah. So tell me about this. I I came across a term called a capsule wardrobe when I was looking through your Instagram, tell everybody what is a capsule wardrobe and how does that work for you? So I did not create the term capsule wardrobe for anyone who's wondering (laughs) it has, it's a concept that's been around since the 1970s. And it is the idea of just a small curated collection of items of clothing that can be mixed and matched together. And there are a few different ways that that can look. There are a few different methods to get there, but it is really just that idea of it is smaller, it's curated, it's thoughtful, and it all works for you within your lifestyle. And so for some people, a capsule wardrobe is five to 10 items. For some people, it is 50 to 100. It is going to be different for everyone. Some people change out their capsule every few seasons. Um, There's a woman named Courtney Carver who started the Project 333 um, movement idea method a few years, quite a few years ago at this point. It's the concept of you pick 33 items of clothing that includes accessories, shoes. Every three months, you switch those out. So you think about it seasonally of, I'm going to have 33 items to choose from. And that works for some people and it's like a game. And while I loved that idea, 
I have never followed it before because the rules are not necessary and I decide what the rules are for myself. And so I've had seasons of life when I have a capsule that changes every season. I'm now in a season of life where all of my clothing hangs up all year round and I wear it when I need to because somehow in the deep South, we still have the craziest weather it was a low of 40, high of 65 today. Yeah, you in go April. through all the seasons in so one day. Cold. Like it, it changes. You got to have Freezing your winter coat yesterday. in the morning. Yes. Sunny wearing shorts on Saturday. So for me, a capsule is giving me permission to wear clothing, only the clothing that I feel good in to change out what I'm wearing just depending on what I need. Um, and it allows me to not have to think as much about what I'm going to wear. Um, and that has made it so that I'm not worrying about my clothing. I know what works, what fits, what looks good. Go in two seconds, pick it out, put it on. I get compliments on my clothing a lot, (laughs) which is always a opportunity to talk about capsule wardrobes and then I have to decide should I pull back and just be like oh thank you or should I be like oh I have a capsule right and it's I didn't even have to think about this and have you ever I have a book I can give you that's that's how I get about oh I understand I get that way about habits like when somebody's like oh let me and I'm like oh I could no they they didn't ask that like I have to pull back for sure I catch that I catch myself doing that so I totally Mm -hmm. understand um And so just so you guys know, um, one of the, or a couple of pictures on uh, Lauren's Instagram, which we'll we'll add those to the show notes. And Lauren, I'll give you in just a minute, you can tell them where to find you. But a couple of those pictures were like her capsule wardrobe for the summer. And one, one summer, let's see, I've got it written here. She had 19 items. That was your wardrobe for the whole summer was 19 items. And you added some and you took a few away, like as you noticed what you needed or what you didn't need. And you finished the summer with 21 items that you wore all summer long. I'm just in awe. Like, I'm thinking, I mean, I, I could see like a few, I could see how that could work. And that would be easy. And like, so the whole thing with, with habits is one of the, the most basic principles is make it super easy. You don't have to think about it. You just go and do like whatever you can do to make a habit easier is that's how it's sustainable. And so I can totally see the value in making your wardrobe very simplified, very easy, and you don't even have to think about it. You just go and and check it off the list, grab something and go. Yes. So, so I see the value in that for sure. I love that. Um, another thing I wanted to touch on that I know every mom, okay, mom, you're listening. I want you to like hyper focus right now on what we're about to talk about. We are going to talk about clutter of toys and toy takeover. Um, Lauren, we are currently at the podcast studio, which is at my mom's house um, upstairs in the kids playroom. You are not allowed to come to my home right now. Because if you walk in my kids rooms, the floors are covered where we have literally well, I can get on a whole nother story. I've got one that's like a, a declutterer, he says, and he wants to reorganize his room all the time. 
but he does it in a way that makes no sense. And so then we have to reorganize and everything's an absolute mess. So we've taken all of that stuff and just put it in the middle of the floor in like a massive pile. But then we haven't had time to actually go and finish decluttering all of those toys and figuring out what do we want to keep? What do we want to, you know, how are we going to do this and organize them and put it back into place? And so as I was reading, I was like, I have to do this thing. So Lauren, please share your wisdom with us about this toy challenge that you did a few years ago. Yes. So I created something called the use it or lose it toy challenge. And I enacted it when my children were relatively young. I want to say three or four years old. It was a while ago. I will preface this by saying that my kids grew up with minimalism. They don't know anything else. And that matters. And that makes it easier for me. So I have eight-year-olds. If I were starting this lifestyle with them at eight, it would be very challenging. Still worthwhile, but challenging. So, so just if you're going to get started in that. If you decide to do it, give yourself some grace. And have that, that expectation it, Yes, up have front. that expectation that it's not easy. And I'm not saying it's easy now with them, but it's much easier. Yes. So I decided as we were heading into the holiday season and I was looking at all of their toys and realizing they weren't playing with much and it just kept building up and I knew Christmas would come. And even though I might set the expectation with my relatives that they don't need lots of toys, I will still end up getting lots of toys. So I wanted to be ready. And so I sat these little kids down and said, we're going to play a game and I'm going to put all of your toys and coloring books and puzzles and games and stuffed animals in the office. And I'm going to lock the door. And if you want to play with anything, you tell me what it is and I'll go get it out. And then it'll stay out here in the playroom. And then at the end of the month, anything that you haven't asked for, we're going to donate it. And I did ask them if they were okay with it. They might not have understood what I was asking of them, but they did say yes. That was important to me and continues to be something that is important anytime we are going through their personal items, that they're aware and they give consent to it. And they said yes. So that is what we did that month is they would say, we want the big stuffed toy. We want this puzzle. And I said, okay, I'll go get it. As long as they could tell me what it was that they wanted. They couldn't go see the pile, but they could ask for things that they remembered and I would go get it. And once it was there, it was there. And then at the end of the month, under cover of darkness, I moved everything to my car and some of it went to friends with littler kids. Some of it was donated. Some of it was trash. And we had a very clean slate. And that was really all that it took for us to continue to keep things organized. And I consistently went to them afterwards to say, what are we going to play with? What do we not want anymore? And after them having that experience of being okay with getting rid of those things and then it being easier for them to clean up because they have 
always been in charge of cleaning up their toys. And if they are not able to do it, then that means they have too much. Yes. And they are reminded of that constantly still, especially as eight-year-olds in third grade, they are fully capable. And I do remind them that if they're not capable of taking care of something, it might not be right for them to have or to get out by themselves. But once we did that use it or lose it toy challenge for the first time, it has been so much easier to get rid of things or to decide what's going to come in. Um, Being diligent and staying on top of what comes in is a big part of that. But then also setting the expectation with them that we're not going to keep things that you won't take care of or that you fight over or that you don't play with. And since we did that, I can confidently say I don't feel stress about kids' toys. Um, I'm going to do that, by the way. Um, If you come to my house soon, I will be packing up all of my kids' toys. and And I will say we they have been very cooperative and we we have gotten very intentional about you know okay we're not going to keep all of this um you know we don't need everything we need things to be more organized and less stuff and so they have learned along the way about okay i don't really play with that i'm going to get rid of it so we've already taken some of those steps so i feel like for us this actually makes perfect sense and is a great um segue into where we want to be, especially given that we've taken a lot of those baby steps in the past. And I don't think they're going to view it as, you know, oh, mama's getting rid of all our stuff. And you want it to be baby steps so that it isn't this drastic change that you're forcing on them. And so if we feel like we have to do it all at once, it doesn't always stick, especially if it's other people who are helping build habits. So Telling yourself like, oh, I should have gotten to this. I should have done it by now. No, you're moving. Everyone is moving at the pace that works for them. And that is something that I work through with my clients a lot in my business when they're decluttering and changing their habits. Yes, We do a lot of habit building as well. I love it. My love language. Absolutely. It all ties together. I mean, it really does. Decluttering and um, I, I love it. We're on the same page for sure. Okay, so with that, tell me a little more about your business. Um, tell me you've also started recently um, the mom, the Madison Mompreneur. So tell me more about your business. Tell um, our listeners about that and how they can get connected with you. Yes. So in fall of 2021, I launched a financial and lifestyle coaching business from the aspect of if people are trying to make more ethical and sustainable decisions with their money, we're going to learn how to use minimalism to build those better habits and get you to your specific goals. And that has been a culmination of everything that I love in life and is such a pleasure. And I know they tell you to not make yourself your business or that you are not your business, but gosh, it's me. Same. Everything about that. it yes. is like it is you, and I can that I'm see. I'm passionate about. Yes, you're like lighting up talking about it. Like, 
And, and earlier, you guys couldn't see this, but earlier when she was talking about, it, she was like minimalism and finance. And like, she's just smiling ear to ear. Like I can see your energy around all of those things. So continue. Sorry, I interrupted, but you, you need to know, like you just are lighting up when you talk about that. It's, it's true. It, when I found the concept of minimalism, it was just this light bulb moment of, well, Lauren, you've, you've always cared about the environment and people and activism, and you want to make good decisions with your money. And I just could not figure out how to do those things. And then finding this kind of methodology, I was like, oh, this is, this is how you get from point A to point B. The minimalism isn't the goal. It's the tool to get you where you want to be. And since those are the things that I am really passionate about, about using your money for bettering your own life and the world around you, because once we get ourselves taken care of, we put on our oxygen mask and then we can go help out everybody else. And so starting that business was something that was in my mind and on my heart pretty early on. When I went back to school um, in 2016, I very slowly made my path out of business into finance and realized very quickly that while I loved finance and I loved learning about finance, I didn't necessarily want to work in the job opportunities that were available out in finance. And I didn't necessarily love the general advice that's given in the financial worlds. There are some amazing financial planners that are out there and I admire everything that they do, but I loved the idea of getting to help people a little bit more about how to get to those goals versus the just what the goals are, but how do we get to the goals? Yes. And so it has been a pleasure to get to work with clients one-on-one, to get to provide them workbooks and tools and questions and prompts that help them think a little bit deeper and to also host um, some group class offerings where we focus in on specific areas. And in starting The Minimalist Wallet, as excited as I have been about it, it has been the biggest challenge to be a business owner and to be a solo entrepreneur. I am faced every day with my own shortcomings and mindset challenges and bad habits that stand in my way of me accomplishing what I want to. And that is something that I talk to a lot of other moms who start businesses about, that they are experiencing those same things where they want to be able to invest time, but they also want to be able to take care of themselves. And then they have their family and they don't want to completely give up control over family things. There's the saying that mothers are expected to work like they don't have kids and raise kids like they don't work. And I hate that for us because we're so good at both. We should be given the permission to do both and let those things influence the other areas. And so I have these discussions with other moms who own businesses and we are all just trying to do it on our own and feeling like we are alone in our businesses by ourselves. And I was talking with a friend um, and we were talking about our businesses and we 
had known each other for a while before we even realized that the other person owned a business. And that was just sort of a light bulb moment of why aren't we, why aren't we talking about this? Why aren't we recognizing that we can support each other with this? And she had the amazing idea for us to start a group where we co-work together and invite other moms who own businesses in Madison to support each other and just get work done and be a resource. And so in February, we launched Madison Mompreneur and we are about 20 members strong at this point. And we meet every week rotating in person somewhere in Madison or online in a Zoom room. We just sit and we get the work done that we had been putting off because we had been doubting ourselves or unsure of what to do or just weren't making the time because we were putting all the other needs first and not our businesses. And that has been the most amazing thing for me because I started my 2023 deciding I was going to focus on community, on building community, on being a part of community, supporting my community wherever they were. I had no idea that this was going to present itself and it has just taken off. And my co-founder, Juliana Piper, and I are so passionate about it. And I'm just all kinds of grateful for the people that I have met and the ability to support them and make them feel not alone as solo mom entrepreneurs. Yes, I love that. I'm really hoping to get to come to something soon. So um, it's very casual. So people come in when they can. And it's a very no pressure show up. We'll chat for a few seconds about like, I say seconds. It's usually like, okay, it's been 20 minutes, you guys. We got work (laughs) to do. (laughs) We'll talk about what we're working on. And then we just hold ourselves accountable to really dig into that stuff that we've been putting off that's been important. So if you have something that you've been like putting off, like admin work, that is the time to sit and do it and get through the emails and then leave and just feel better and we bounce a lot of ideas off of each other yes, that's so when really helpful to have yeah. that to have that community aspect for sure and being yes. able to you know have a different point of view mm-hmm. which is really good um so tell us where where can we find you if moms are, are looking to find you and your coaching services or the madison mompreneur yes so my business, The Minimalist Wallet, that handle on Instagram, at The Minimalist Wallet, it's theminimalistwallet.com. Um, my personal Instagram account, which has been going strong for a while, talking about minimalism and money and motherhood, that is at Lauren underscore ETC and Madison Mompreneur, same handle at Madison Mompreneur on Instagram and madisonmompreneur.com. Okay. And so if you missed any of those links, um, if you're driving or whatever, we're going to put all of those on SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com where you can find the show notes, any of the links that we've talked about in this episode. And with that, I want to ask you our big question of the podcast. What is success to you? Success to me is about not being afraid of failure and doing things when you are afraid even if you are making mistakes as you're doing them, but just showing up and doing things through the fear, learning from the failure. I feel like I have had a lot of failures 
And they don't define me, but what defines me is the fact that I keep pushing past it, learning from it, and doing things even when I am afraid to do them. And that to me is really what success is. It's not the you've made it. That's not the success. It's the being willing to do that hard stuff, even when it's scary, even when it hasn't worked out before. That's what makes me feel really successful. So good. I totally agree. That's excellent. Um, This has been a super fun episode. I want to ask you really quickly our, um, our questions that I hit my guests with at the end, rapid fire. What is your coffee order? Vanilla Americano or a vanilla cold brew. It's Mm. hot outside. Yum. Question number two, how clean does your house stay on a scale of one to 10? Probably an eight. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, it's a lot easier to keep clean when you don't have as much stuff, which is awesome. We don't have a dishwasher right now. Oh, no. And that is my biggest (laughs) struggle. So maybe a seven because there's either dishes in the sink or drying on the countertop 95% of the time. Been there, done that. I am sorry. One day a dishwasher will come in the renovations. It's going to happen. All right. Question number three, a book or show you have recently loved. This is an older one. I have watched it several times. I always love it. It's for a certain type of person who loves the antihero. It is Fleabag, the show on Amazon, specifically season two. Season one is good. You kind of have to watch season one to understand season two, but I go back and rewatch it because it is perfection in television in my mind. It is so clever and the willingness to tell the story of a very imperfect person who is doing some morally not good things, but for you to root for this person it's a very, not everyone is going to love it, but if you do, you'll love it. Interesting. I'm going to have to look that up. That sounds intriguing. I've never heard of it. All right. Flea bag. All right. Question number four. What is the most random item in your purse? I have a lot of tinctures. So it's like a homeopathic pharmacy in there a little bit. That's like half my purse, um, like digestive bitters before you eat so that you your stomach begins to recognize you're going to eat food so you digest better um i have um like it's a bee propolis spray for my throat for when my throat is scratchy from talking too much or allergies and then i also have some like anti-anxiety anti-stress anti-anger tinctures that are specifically for women in perimenopause because I am dealing with that right now. And it is something that everybody should be talking about because it is basically like menopause, but for younger people. Yeah. Well, now I'm going to have to see all of these tinctures. That sounds intriguing. I love it. Thank you so much for coming. This has been so much fun. I really and truly appreciate all that you've shared and I'm ready to go and do my toy challenge like right now. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so happy to be here. 
All right, you guys, you have a great week and we will see you next time on the Successful Mama podcast. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Successful Mama podcast. For more information, head on over to SuccessfulMamaPodcast.com where you can find show notes and all the links mentioned in today's episode. Tap that share button and remember to tag at Successful Mama Podcast. And make sure to go leave a review. It really does help. A special thanks to Will Carruthers. Until next time, remember, Mama, success looks more than one way, and it's up to you to define it.